This is Stephen Strang, and welcome to the Guide Trump and the 2020 Election podcast for August 11th, 2020. We have just 85 days to the election, and there is a spiritual realm that not very many people talk about. I do address it in my book. You know, as I have said in this book and other books, I believe that Trump is God's man. That doesn't mean he's perfect. This is not about partisan politics. It's about what's going on in our country. And today I have as my guest Ed Silvoso, who I consider to be one of the foremost uh, experts and leaders in the area of calling the church, which is really the ecclesia, to be the church. This is more than just about an election. This is what's going on in our culture. It's just that in 85 days from the day we're recording this podcast, we will have an election one way or the other, and elections have uh, meaning. They have uh, consequences. And so, first of all, welcome to my program. Um, I'll tell my listeners that you're the founder of Transform Our World. I've had the privilege of knowing you for a number of years. I have so much respect for what you've done, and if we had time, uh, we could go into the transformation of of cities and and uh, in various parts of the world is just absolutely amazing. Of course, you've written a lot of books about that, and people can um, uh, read them. But, uh, before we get into it and, and just have a conversation about this, I just want to mention that if anyone is interested in the books I've read, because we're not really talking about my books today, you can get them on stevestrangbooks.com. That's my name, stevestrangbooks.com. And so that's all the commercial I'll do, but I have it out of the way. So welcome to you, Ed. Thank you for taking time to fit me in. And why don't you tell uh, my listeners what Transform the World means? Thank you, Steve. It's for me a privilege to be on your podcast. I admire you deeply. You have blessed me through your ministry and Charisma magazine, Transform Our World is a network of about 7,500 influencers all over the world. About 1,700 are pastors, and the rest are business people, government officials, and educators. And our objective is to make the world a better place by not only discipling people that we know quite well, but discipling nations. And this is the hour, like you said in the introduction, Steve, this is a difficult hour, and this is the moment for the church, for the ecclesia, to do what is meant to do. Well, I know that you well enough to know that you aren't really partisan, although when you go into no. the election booth, you pull one tab or the other. Right, right. But what do you think is at stake in 2020? But what we have going on now, Steve, and this is my concern, and I suspect it's yours, the atmosphere is so toxic, so negative. And let's remember that not, not even Jesus was able to perform miracles when the atmosphere was that bad. And so we have well-meaning people doing the right thing the wrong way. And we have evil-meaning people doing the bad thing the right way, you know, with empathy, with compassion. But where is that leading? So that's why, let's realize, Steve, the church is the only institution in America that has a branch in every neighborhood 
and it should have an agent in every block to bring goodness, peace, and joy, and to change the spiritual climate. If we don't change the spiritual climate, we are going to hit the wall and we're going to pay dearly for it. And what does that mean? Well, it means that we have two major roadblocks ahead of us. Number one, Christians do not realize that they are the church. We say, I go to church. No, no, you are the church and you go to a church meeting. Now that buildings are shut down in most of the country, we are still the church where we are. And when Jesus said, I will build you, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against you, he's talking about us. Victory is assured. But the other problem we have is that we usually subscribe to doom and gloom eschatology. We don't believe that we can change the world. And these are the two things that everywhere, Steve, where we saw positive change, the church understood that. You know, they say that uh, 40% of Bible-believing Christians don't vote. Now, I have not personally researched that statistic, but it certainly seems to be right. And uh, why would people be so apathetic? Maybe your comment about our eschatology gets into it, but also God tells us to pray for our leaders so we could live a, a peaceful and godly life. And, you know, as I look around and see things happening that I never thought I would live to see, I mean, we've been losing our freedoms, our, even our freedom now to go to church. You know, for a long time, the secular people or, or the left or the extremists or the anti-God group, it was like, look, you Christians stay inside your church, you sing, you pray, you can talk about the ends of time. We don't believe a word you're saying. We just don't want you to bother to come out here and tell us that we can't kill babies or that anything goes in terms of our lifestyle. But now they're telling us, in fact, uh, in California where you live, uh, churches yeah, yeah. can't even meet. I'm in Florida, and it's pretty much uh, life as usual, except that we <laughs> wear masks and we stay uh, six feet apart. But, I mean, it's scary what's happening, and today it's a— a virus and public health, but if they do this for a virus and find out how uh, passive the church is about it, we're losing our freedom. That's a lot different than our eschatology. What do you say? Well, you put the finger right on it. There are so many pastors, Steve, that are saying, praise God, Jesus is coming back. Things are going down the drain. No, where is Revelation twelve eleven? And they overcame him, the devil and his demons, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimonies. Where is Revelation twenty one twenty four that the rulers of the earth will lead a parade of transformations? So what we need to understand, Steve, is that the church is on earth to bring heaven to earth and not to take just people to heaven. And, and what I explain in my books, and I know you do this too, the early church had a very strong social agenda. It uprooted corruption. It, it attacked poverty. It restored the role of women. 
it brought reconciliation between labor and management. And tragically, Steve, so many evangelicals are so far away from that. And this is the solution in my estimation. We must be liberal on social issues. That's Matthew 25. We must take care of the needy and the poor and the incarcerated and the orphan and the stranger. But we must also be conservative on moral issues. And that is what is lacking right now. We choose one or the other. Now imagine for a moment, Steve, if we capture that vision that we can go into politics, we can go into government, fully persuaded that we can change that institution for the glory of God. As it happened in England during the Wesleyan revival, as it happened in other places. So you put the finger right on it. If we don't believe that the church can change the world, then we surrender and we shouldn't. You know, you have said something very important. Our country is so divided and, uh, you know, most most conservative Christians are also conservative politically in the sense that they want less government, uh, they're more for traditional values, this kind of thing. But, you know, a lot of conservative uh, cons- uh, people who are not Christians but are just conservative politically are very concerned about where the country is going. Uh, within the church, at least in the world that I live in, uh, this means that most people would vote for Trump. You know, no matter if you like Donald Trump or Joe Biden or not, it's going to come down to a binary choice. How do we reach out to the middle ground of people, maybe the people that, uh, you know, don't like seeing the rioting and the looting, and they they really uh, are concerned about our civil rights, even if they don't go to church, they can't understand why Governor Newsom is saying that you can't sing in church or whatever it is that he's said lately. Everything I hear in the news seems crazier than the last thing I heard. I don't It's hard for me to understand, and thankfully, I live in a part of the country that isn't quite that extreme. But how do we how do we make this uh, this argument to people, especially when people have maybe voted a certain way because that's what they've always done, or their daddy voted a certain way? How do we make that argument in an era where uh, people are so divided and where we where we don't really have much of a voice in the media? Yeah. Well, let's begin with believers. Generally speaking, Caucasian middle-class believers lean to the right politically. But the reality is that ethnic blue-collar believers lean to the left. So right there we have a problem, okay? So we need to recapture the middle ground. And part of the problem is that the people on the right do not feel the pain of the people on the left. And so we need to empathize. We need to feel that pain and own it. At this moment, the extreme forces that are taking control of the dialogue, they thrive on that. They empathize with the pain. They raise the flag of justice 
And then other people raise the flag of righteousness. You have to do it right. But God is both his justice and his righteousness. And what helped me immensely, Steve, is to understand that European people, those of us that have a European worldview, are individualistic in our approach to life. Ethnic people, African-Americans especially, Native Americans, and even Latinos, they are corporate in their approach. So let's take this tragedy with George Floyd. When white people watch that policeman do what he did, they see an individual committing a crime against another individual. But the African-Americans see the white race killing the black race. And so we need to become more corporate. We need to feel their pain. We need to walk with them to win them over and capture the middle ground, that independent group of people that decide the election. And for that, Steve, we have to become socially active. We need to really embrace social issues and not just moral issues. And I'm glad that you're sounding this alarm. Uh, Some of the things you're saying is the reason why when I was younger, I was a Democrat for many years, but the Democratic Party has gone to the left. I talk about this in my book. It is not the same Democratic Party, and you've actually got people that are taking away our rights. Whatever happens in this election, uh, Donald Trump will be out in 2025, and these issues are still going to be the same. The church is still going to have to be the ecclesia. We're going to have to understand these differences of how different ethnic groups uh, look at things. Um, you know, I, I know of many examples, as you do. Uh, they're not widely publicized, although we try to cover them in Charisma magazine. But there's lots of places where the church uh, is taking the lead and really should. In fact, in a lot of ways, the government steps in to do things that really the church should be doing in terms of helping the poor and the widows and the orphans and, and this kind of thing. Uh, but it's, you know, it's going to take a, a, a generation or more to make this happen. In my book, uh, God, Trump, and the 2020 Election, and my newer book, God, Trump, and COVID-19, I talk about the spiritual dimension. At least a third of the book, each book, is on the spiritual dimension, which you don't even get from the conservative press. They don't deal with the spiritual issue at all, but really the spiritual realm is more real than the physical realm that we see with our eyes and hear with our ears and touch with our hands. And of course, that has to do with the Bible and God and God's plan for man and eschatology is thrown in there and everything else. You know, there's a lot of moving parts, but right now we are 85 days before the election. What can an individual person who's listening to this, or what can I do uh, in 85 days to help shift the, the spiritual atmosphere like you talked about? Well, look, there was no better communicator than Jesus Christ, right? We agree on that. And look how he hit the wall in Luke chapter 9. He told his disciples, perverted and unbelieving generation, how much longer must I be with you and put up with you? 
so that Jesus did not succeed. But then in Luke chapter 10, Steve, he saw Satan falling down from heaven like lightning. And the demons that were running the show up to chapter 9, they became subject to his disciples. This is what I'm doing, Steve, and this is what I believe everybody should be doing. When Jesus introduced the church, which is ecclesia, assembly, as you and I know, an assembly needs quorum. The quorum that Jesus established is two people. If two of you gather in my name, I'll be there, and I will teach you how to pray prayers that anything you ask shall be done by my Father, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. This is what we need to do, Steve. Every believer listening to this podcast should connect with another believer. We did it at home with Ruth, my wife. We dedicated our home. We enthroned the presence of Jesus. That gave us his perspective. We began to minister to our neighbors. We were able to change the spiritual climate in our neighborhood. Imagine, Steve, if one million homes could be activated like that. And in the next 40 days, we change the spiritual climate. Satan falls down. Let's be honest. The devil is running the show. And in the following 40 days, we talk about values and virtues. People on the right and people on the left will vote rightly. But if we don't do that, Steve, not even Jesus could perform miracles with that hostile environment. That's why we launched this Facebook page called Ecclesia Everywhere. I believe God for one million ecclesias, Steve, one million homes where the presence of God dwells and everybody adopts their neighbors and changes the spiritual climate. Then and only then, even the righteous people will see the light. Without that, Steve, we are dead on the water. Very well said. And as we wrap up this podcast, uh, at the end, I'm going to ask you to pray, but before that, I want you to tell my listeners how they can connect with this Facebook page that you described, and you've written so many books, of course, they can find it by just um, putting in search on Amazon, Ed Silvoso, but of all the books you've read, if somebody was going to read one, or maybe the first one they read, which would one would it be? And I know I'm asking you several things, but tell how people yeah. could yeah. Uh, contact you at your ministry. Ecclesia is the book, because they will realize I am the church, and Jesus will build me up, and the devil will not overcome. And the other one, go to the Facebook page, Ecclesia Everywhere. Right there are the one, two, three steps. Steve, I, I received a strong warning from God on June 27th that we have only 90 days to change the spiritual climate. The country that you and I knew is no longer there, and it's up in the air, and it's going to crash. And whoever is there will determine the future. This is the moment for the ecclesia to do that. And if you ask me to pray, uh, would you like me to do that now, Steve? Hmm? 
yes, uh, go ahead and tell my listeners how they can contact you, and I'll remind them yeah. that all they have yeah. to go to stevestrangbooks.com to see the books I've written as well. And yeah. then I want you to just wrap up with a powerful prayer, and we'll end yeah. the podcast then. Yes, yes. Well, uh, for simplicity, go on Facebook to Ecclesia Everywhere, or if you want our website, it's transformourworld.org, transformourworld.org, okay? Now, for the prayer, Steve, I want everybody, look at this, look at the power of prayer. We think that prayer is jealous. No, prayer is still. When we pray for somebody who is evil, who is hurting us, who is doing terrible things, the Bible says when we bless those that curse us, we heap burning coals over their heads. And that forces them to change or to face God's uh, dealing with them. I would like everybody here, pick a politician that you dislike and pray for that politician to have a visitation by God. If God visited evil kings in the Old Testament, he can visit anybody today. If you're a Democrat, pray for Donald Trump. If you're a Republican, Pray for Nancy Pelosi. Let's pray with clean hands, without wrath, without dissension. When we do that, God says, you shall lead a quiet and peaceful life. We need that. So, Father, I pray. I pray, first of all, thanking you for Steve and his courage. I pray that you encourage him today. And now together, Lord, Steve and I, in the name of Jesus, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, we pray for America. We pray for President Trump. We pray for his family. We pray for his strength. We pray for the Christians in the White House. But we also pray for Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. And we pray for the believers that may be in their sphere of influence. And Lord, we say, Lord, visit them. Touch them. Make yourself real to them. You change Saul of Tarsus into Paul of Antioch. You can change anyone today, Lord. And Father, now we cry for America. Be merciful to this nation, O Lord. Be merciful. And everybody listening to this podcast, let them realize I am the church. The Lord is building me up and the gates of Hades shall not prevail. No, they shall not prevail. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The hypocrisy on the left is astounding. They are so desperate to criticize President Trump that even this worldwide pandemic, they attempt to belittle him and blame him for the crisis. In my book, God, Trump, and the 2020 Election, I go into detail about how I think history will remember our 45th president. History has shown that Winston Churchill was the right man at the right time, yet he was not a popular leader in his day. He was described with some of the same words people have used to describe President Trump, ruthless, unstable, unsound, and embarrassment, to name a few. But the way the world now looks at Winston Churchill is how I believe history will remember Donald Trump. It was said of Churchill, thank God for a leader like Churchill. He was not polite or polished, 
but he was used to save many lives in a time of war. America, we're at war with an invisible enemy. I thank God Donald Trump is our president. Go to GodTrump2020.com and learn more.